You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 131. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Sklar. You've reached another Local Maximum. Welcome to the show. A couple of quick updates before we get to the main event today. I am now securely moved into Manhattan. So uh, I finally, I you know, I had a bunch of uh, episodes ready to go. Now I'm here. I don't know exactly what I'm going to do the next few weeks, but I'll think of something. I'll think of something fun, I promise. And I actually did work out of the Foursquare office once last week. There was no one there. It was, I mean, there was me and a few other people. So it was kind of strange, but uh, we are, I don't know, maybe a few episodes away. That's a few weeks away where I can do a show on the new software we're cooking up, the new app. It's called MarsBot for AirPods, and I'm really looking forward to that. I'm not exactly sure how I'm going to uh, uh, introduce that to you folks uh, on the podcast, but um, I'm going to think of something. And it's, uh, it's a, I, everyone should try this. I, I'm really excited to see what people do with it. Today is, go- I've been trying to get it out for a while, you know, uh, today is going to be big on podcast recommendations because we are also sponsored by the uh, Tech Meme Ride Home podcast. We're now sponsored by them, their new sponsor, uh, which is a great way to get your technology news. So check that out as well. Today's guest is Jeff Meyerson, and he's got to be one of the most prolific software podcasters in the game, a daily episode for five years every weekday with tons of stuff to learn every single day with, I believe, a guest every single day, uh, uh, you know, from a, from a company or, or from an or open source, everything down the line uh, in terms of software. We're going to talk not only about that, but also about the way in which engineers uh, can become commoditized and how to find creative work and thoughts on remote work as well. He did a talk last year called You Are Not a Commodity. And I thought that was a really interesting topic for people who are in the engineering field or in the sciences and are looking uh, for a job that doesn't feel, I don't know, that doesn't give you dead eyes, that, 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 that makes you excited in the morning. It was a very hopeful talk about uh, what's going on, about what the future could be like. So I thought that would be a great jumping off point to have a conversation. Without further ado, my next guest is the host of the popular engineering podcast, Software Engineering Daily. Jeff Meyerson, you've reached the local maximum. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So I have a feeling there are some people listening now, software engineers in particular, who are not satisfied at their work. Maybe they're being pushed into an uncreative job. Maybe they're being micromanaged. There's a lot of mediocre management out there. And it's not just terrible for them. It means that the rest of us don't get to enjoy the product of what they could be building in a better environment. So let's talk about what happens when engineers become a commodity. Uh, what is the assembly, mi- assembly line mindset that you talk about when it comes to software? And, and how did we get into this? I think we got into a place where engineers are largely doing work that is associated with maintenance or highly defined tasks. And there is creativity in those maintenance tasks and in those well-defined tasks. But for many people, they, you know, as the title of your podcast um, says, is are, are reaching a local maxima. And, yeah. uh, and, and there might be something 
uh, more exciting or more appealing outside of that local maxima if they knew how to look at it or knew how to pursue it? There's a, there's a lot of interesting things that happen in, in maintenance jobs. I mean, I find that it's like it's one thing when you're maintaining something that you originally wrote, and then it's some, another thing entirely when you're coming in and maintaining something that is, you know, was built five, seven years ago by people who are no longer at the company. Um, some of those jobs can really pull your hair out. That's for sure. I have pulled my hair out before. <laughs> yeah. Um, and sometimes it's better than others. You know, I think, uh, well, it, how, how do you avoid that? Because I, in, in some ways, I think you can avoid it. Like, you know, stuff gets written and then five to seven years later, they realize, hey, things have to be changed. The people who wrote it aren't there anymore. And uh, we need to hire someone who, who does this. It's an unavoidable part of engineering, and there are plenty of jobs that offer this kind of work, and some people like this kind of work. I think it's actually, you know, if you enjoy that kind of work or if you can shift your mindset into a place where you do enjoy that work, you can have a very fruitful career. Um, it can be very relaxing. It can be, um, you know, routine, and routine is something that uh, I think I have underestimated in the past. So if you want to build a routine, then the kind of assembly line mindset is is quite good. You can you can live on the assembly line for a very long time, and it's I don't say the assembly line in a derogatory manner. I just mean it's assembly lines are important. They're a necessary uh, functionality in the world, and we need people to operate those assembly lines. Sure. I mean, I've had you know I've done refactoring projects where, you know, at the end of it, you have like this, you know, clean, very usable code and you can be proud of it. But it's, those are not the ones, those are the times when like, you know, management or whoever gives you kind of space to do it properly. It's always, it's more of a problem when they're like, oh, you know, we've got to get this out quickly and we just want you to fix the problem, but we don't want to, we want you to, you know, don't pay attention to all the horrible things that you see along the way uh, type of a, a mindset. Exactly. Yeah. So, I have to say, my career, uh, even though I've been a part of some exciting things, I've been increasingly disillusioned with engineering management, with career ladders, with titles, you know, all that junk. And uh, there were times when I felt I needed to worry about these things. And like, I just, I hated myself for, for worrying about them, but I felt like I had to at certain points. And, you know, I, I can't be the only one. So how, you talk to a lot of engineers. How common is this disillusionment? Management is there to oversee the engineering processes and create a hierarchical structure. And unfortunately, there's, there's just no way around the hierarchical structures when it comes to, to running modern businesses. We don't really sure. have, have an alternative to it. We, we can't do holacracy. We can't do programmer anarchy. We can't subvert the hierarchies that are necessary to running these large organizations. At least we don't have any models of success thus far. So wait, what is holacracy? Holacracy is a form of management that was written about by some management scientist and then was tried by Zappos. And it's a system where I think there's no hierarchy. There's just these structures of accountability. And you have to do all these, hmm. you have to do some paperwork. You have to do some, some uh, ratings of your coworkers or ratings of yourself something like that where you you don't you replace the hierarchical notion with some sort of uh, procedural 
um, management style, and it, it doesn't mm-hmm. work. Apparently. Yeah, I don't know. Or, or Zappos sounds... had a lot of tr- trouble trying to make it work. It sounds like Orwellian a little bit. Like, oh, you, you no longer have a manager. You have structures of accountability, and uh, you know that 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 sounds like it could be a, it could be a nightmare. It's almost like everybody watching everyone, like a almost like a. <laughs> totalitarian state or something like that. Um, I don't know. Sometimes there's a fine line between anarchy and... But anyway, uh, that's more political stuff. So for, for people who feel like they're, they're, they're stuck in a local maximum or, or they're stuck kind of being a commodity, how do, you, how do you get out of that? I don't know that I'm the best person to comment on that because my own way of getting out of it, uh, which is software podcasting, has had its pros and cons. And so the thing is you can... Well, I'm doing something similar, so that's very helpful to me. (laughs) Well, sure, but you also have a job. um, And what I'll say is you can escape it at any time. You just have to go and do something on your own. And there's plenty of things that you can do on your own. At the bare minimum, you can consult. You can work on uh, Fiverr. You can work on Upwork and find engineering jobs. You can retrain yourself. You can become a podcaster. I, I wouldn't recommend it, but uh, there's plenty of ways to escape. You can also start a small business, or you can start doing one of these other things with the intent of starting a small business or starting a startup eventually. I think th- these are the obvious ways to escape, but what I will say is coming from a position of of being five years in to quote-unquote escaping is there is a super big downside to uh, running away from those corporate structures and... and uh, because corporate structures lend structure to your life, and right. um, it's it's something that uh, I would I would caution people against running away from the corporate jobs um, quite as fervently as uh, I was a fan of running away uh, five years ago. I mean, I, yeah, some of us. I, I mean, <laughs> some of us can't stand it. I mean, I, I sort of am in a situation where uh, I've almost been able to secede from the engineering structure at my company but that that is a rare thing and i know it's a rare thing because i wasn't able to do it for like a a decade or so well that's great um yeah but who knows how long i could last uh, yeah i mean you can you can have these kinds of middle ground uh sort of positions like you you have a advisorship at, at your at your current company and being an advisor allows you to have a lot more autonomy than you would have in, in many of the other roles within a company. Right, right. Um, yeah. I, um, so uh, one thing I've been thinking about, so you know, we talk about you know, commoditized software jobs, and uh, you, know, you talked about how people can you know, start getting put in boxes like JavaScript engineer level three or something like that. Um, and I feel like there's, there's kind of a, an upside and a downside. Like the, the upside is if you put that on your resume, there'll automatically be a market of like, you know, HR departments and recruiters looking for those specific people. But if I'm something unique, you know, how would they even know what they're looking for? So what, how would you, um, have you found anyone who's been able to, you know, go their own, like, like go into like a unique route? No examples come to mind immediately. I think when you rise up within a company, then you have more and more autonomy. 
you can become one of these influencer engineers. You can become one of these highly trusted engineers that has done so much work cutting their teeth that you have autonomy within a company. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I got that. And then I found this problem. I'm at this one company for a long time. I have all this aut autonomy, but now I feel like I can't get, I, I'm, I'm not stuck there per se, but I, but if I go to another company, I wouldn't get that. Yeah. You do compound interest within a company. All right. Let's take a break to talk about another awesome podcast. When the New Yorker magazine asked Mark Zuckerberg how he gets his news, he said the one news source he definitely follows is TechMeme. For more than two years and nearly 700 episodes, the TechMeme Ride Home has been Silicon Valley's favorite tech news podcast. The TechMeme Ride Home is a daily podcast, only 15 to 20 minutes long, and every day by 5 p.m. Eastern, it's all the latest tech news. It's more than just the headlines. You can get a robot to read you the headlines. This is in-depth. The Tech Meme Ride Home podcast is all the context around the latest news of the day. It's all the top stories, the top posts and tweets and conversations about all those stories, as well as behind-the-scenes analysis. The Tech Meme Ride Home is like TLDR as a service. The folks at Tech Meme are online all day reading everything so they can catch you up. So listen to the one podcast anyone who's anyone in Silicon Valley listens to every single day. Search your podcast app now for Ride Home and subscribe to the Tech Meme Ride Home podcast. All right, now back to the show. So we talked about being independent of a, a corporation. Um, you mentioned programmer anarchy. I want to talk a little bit about that. That one sounds... Uh, that, I, I don't know exactly what that is, but that sounds exciting to me. That sounds like what I want. <laughs> what, what, what is that, and uh, what are the? Uh, has that been tried? Programmer Anarchy is a bizarre case study that I read about one time and heard a podcast about. The concept is that uh, engineers can manage themselves, and if you just hire a bunch of engineers, they'll figure out what to do with regards to design work. They'll figure out what to do with regards to KPIs and OKRs. It almost sounds like holacracy. If you just hire engineers and you make sure that they're good engineers, you make sure that they're passionate, you make sure that they're incentivized to work properly, then you can actually just have the engineers run wild and do the work that's necessary. Uh, it worked for this one particular company that I heard about. I don't remember what the company does, but um, it's it's an interesting case study because it's just the idea that if you fire everybody else, you fire the um you fire a lot of the managers or, or demote the managers to becoming engineers. You you fire the QA people and they get replaced with more automated processes. Uh, you fire the, I don't know, the database administrators and the, the engineers figure out how to do the database stuff themselves. And it's just complete anarchy, but the programmers get the work done. Um, so... so in some ways, that sounds like my uh, like my, my 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 wild fantasy, <laughs> but in other ways, I mean, look, we need like database engineers and people who do you know, um, you know, people who do the the production work and stuff like that. Like you know, there there are certain uh, areas in engineering where I'm just like, my brain doesn't doesn't work on this. Yeah, I mean, it's been so long since I worked at a company. I, I don't even know if I'm a credible judge of whether or not programmer anarchy is is possible. But it worked in this one case. I thought it was an interesting example. Yeah, no, it is interesting. Um, it's it's not like I would 
come in tomorrow and suggest that uh, we adopt this. Although I feel like it's 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 a good like inspiration to saying, hey, maybe give your engineers a little bit more autonomy um, because I can't tell you how many times you know someone comes in. Uh, someone from outside the team, an engineering manager usually. Um, uh, if, well, there are kind of two types of engineering managers. There's one who's like embedded in the team doing the work with the team. And then and those, in, in the couple cases I've had that, those have worked out well. But then when somebody comes in and, and they're just like, oh, I have an idea, uh, try this out. I can't tell you how many like rabbit holes I've been forced down and then just, you know, sort of wasted a lot of time, but it's not, it's, it's, it's time wasted where it's, it's very frustrating time wasted. It's not like, oh, I tried this thing and it didn't work. It's like, no, this guy told me to try this thing and I listened to him because he's, uh, you know, um, he's uh, some, in some kind of position of authority and now it just kind of ruined my day or even ruined my week. It happens, yeah. Um, some people don't respond well to, to management, and um, perhaps some place that offers programmer anarchy can be a solution to that. Yeah. So when did you leave uh, uh, engineering and uh, start podcasting full time? Five years ago. Five years ago. And how long were you an engineer before that? Two and a half years, three years. Oh, okay. You're very good at uh, talking to engineers. I mean, I listen to the show all the time. Um, and so obviously you found the, the work and the subject matter interesting. Otherwise, when you went to podcasting, you probably would have chosen a, a different topic. I do. I do like talking to engineers. Yeah. What, what do you find when you talk to an engineer, what do you try to get out of them? Like, what is the, uh, you know, what is your approach to doing that kind of interview? It's a very different type of interview, like than when you're interviewing an author or somebody who's used to, uh, you know, uh, so, so someone who's kind of used to being on podcasts. I actually don't think it's so different. Um, authors have something that they're very good at, something that they've focused on for a long period of time recently, and uh, engineers are similar. Um, you know, authors go on these podcast tours whenever they have finished a book. They've sure. you know they've been studying finance or climate or literature. They re recently wrote some you know, fictional book, and they come on a podcast to talk about it. Engineer is similar. You get an engineer who's focused on tuning a database or fixing a distributed systems problem that they wrote a blog post about, and they come on a podcast, and they have so much knowledge that has not been unfolded from their brain. And so yeah. my my goal on each show is to find that little thread that, that they may have touched on in a blog post or in an experience and just pull on that thread and pull and pull and pull and pull and pull and, and weave something out of what I'm pulling instead of just asking them to talk, um, you know, to blather. Um, so I, I look at myself as kind of a refiner of that threaded knowledge that's coming out of the person's brain. I feel like there, uh, engineers oftentimes have so many stories to tell that just aren't told. Uh, you know, I before I became uh, before I started my podcast, uh, I was never asked to be on a podcast. Um, I did a bunch of tech talks, uh, but that's kind of like a whole different. It's a whole different animal. Sometimes it's not that different, but um, you know, I just started off interviewing my friends at, at work at Foursquare, and um, and people who listen to the show will know, like you know, episode two and three, we we talked a lot about the. 
the 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 Foursquare tech stack, and it's just like, you know, nobody is well, you know, th- there's you and there's a few other people, but but there's so few people who are getting these stories out. There's more and more every day, uh, and you know, I think similar to how different stylists make clothing differently. Everybody who is a software podcaster is pulling on that thread, uh, is pulling on the, the the engineer's thread that they're interviewing, and um, and they're weaving together that story in in a different way. So I have my own style of doing things. The the changelog has their style of doing things. You have your style of doing things, and uh, that changes the the information that is being um, expanded on from the from the guest's brain. Yeah. See, you said before you wouldn't recommend podcasting. What did you mean by that? I'm sure. I mean, I'm having a great time. What I wouldn't recommend is five years of five shows per week. Um, right. Okay. The in, the intensity. Gotcha. Uh, what? What? You still do five shows a week? I do. I'm a hypocrite. <laughs> well, uh, you, you just think it's a, it's a lot of work, or a lot of. Uh, the work isn't the issue. What's yeah? You know, I I'm just at a point where I I have realized that podcasting is not socialization. Podcasting is a contrived form of socialization, and so I'm uh, you know the 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 pandemic has put this into stark uh, rec, rec, recognition that you need real world interaction and pre- preferably working with a team. Um, so being a solo podcaster for, for five years has, um, you know, had its, uh, had its pros and cons is what was all I'm saying. Yeah, no, I know. I'm, I'm happy with doing it once a week. You know, I'm still trying to grow the show, but, uh, with a job, I feel like once, I feel like if I did it once every two weeks, then when I have something to say, like I'd have to wait too long to, to say it. But, uh, if it were more than one week, uh, already with a job, it's a lot, but 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 it's manageable. I, I feel like any more would be uh, <laughs> would be way too much. To each their own. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I want to ask your opinion on remote work uh, because I know you've spoken before about like you know the opportunities that are available to people who do that. And uh, if you asked me about remote work six months ago, I would have. I, maybe not an, an entirely 180 degrees different opinion, but I would definitely emphasize different things. And, you know, uh, the, I, I mean, you know, my, my take on it today would be, be so different. And now we see Google saying their employees will be remote until next year. So, you know, what are your feelings on that? What are your feelings on remote work today? It works. It also doesn't work. Uh it works for a specific type of person under a specific type of circumstance, and it doesn't work for people who need socialization, who need the water cooler chatter. Uh, those people are having a lot of trouble adapting. It also doesn't work necessarily for parents who have kids at home that are, you know, screaming and crying all the time, and you know, you you, you try to get away from that at the office. Uh, yeah, you know, I think it works for forcing a company to develop uh, printed strictures and video-based strictures around how their company actually functions, how the assembly line works. Um, if you don't document it, if you don't have processes in place that are fine, fine-tuned, fine you don't have the, the social pressures and the social structures of an in-person environment 
to reinforce those uh, those undocumented strictures? It's it's really easy to get distracted um, over you know. Well, I mean, I guess the situation over the last six months has been different. It's like I'm living in a studio apartment here that ends uh, next week by the time this goes out because I'm moving. But uh, you know, it's just like it's hard to get new ideas and to stay focused when you're in the same room for like 22 hours a day. Absolutely. <laughs> and I, I would have said six months ago, I would have said, Hey, wouldn't it be nice if I could work from home once, twice a week? Uh, maybe that still would be nice, but now I'm really feeling the pinch of, you know, we're trying to do creative work. Um, and I, I met up with some of my coworkers in person the other week and we're like, we just got more done in this conversation than we did in like, in, in like a whole month of talking on zoom. That happens. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, where, I mean, do you think, do you think there'll be some, like some types of work, uh, with where, I can't imagine like Google and, and all these other companies where they're doing entirely remote. Like, are, do you think they're going to be hurting in some areas? Or do you think like, where are the, where are the engineers going to, to be like way less productive? I feel like there are some, some areas, maybe it's just in, in like the sort of creative stuff where it, it's, it's just going to go dead. How, I feel like that's going to have such a negative impact on the industry. What do you think? I don't know. I'm sure Google is tracking this internally. I'm sure Microsoft is tracking this internally. I think there's no way that these companies are as productive today as they were back in the good old days of pre-COVID because mostly because everybody's undergoing some mental health issues right now. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, that's... You know, it's so... This is not even really a true test of what an all remote company can do because we're we're too remote right now. We're unrealistically remote. Um, so that, that's a good point. It's it's not like they you know, it's one thing if they said, "Hey Max, uh, we're gonna re work remote this week," and I'll be like, "Oh great," and I'll go to the coffee shop. It's like, no, no, no. I'm working remote in my apartment, and then I see like windows getting smashed outside. Yeah, I'm not really getting a whole lot done. Exactly. Yeah, so it's it's uh, uh, yeah, that's a good point. I, I feel I, I haven't really thought about that that much. That this is not um, this is not remote the way remote should be. If if that's the, a good way of putting it, um, right? Like how um, I, I feel like I don't know. I, I think maybe we can get into that as you know offices open back up and it kind of becomes an optional thing over the next six months, I'm sort of interested in seeing, like, you know, okay, it's optional to come into the office for the rest of the year, so a bunch of us are going to come in, we're going to have, you know, a good time while we're there, uh, and in terms of, like, you know, socialization, like you said, and then people who need to be home will be home, people who uh, don't want to take the risk will be home, and then, I don't know, we'll kind of see how that works, but uh, that should be an interesting thing to, to, to look at. I mean, I can't wait until this thing ends because there's going to be a lot oh, of revelations. Okay. Um, I'm sure everybody's in the same boat there. Uh, until then, it's it's quite a test of uh, of of will. 
um, as far as as far as it's been concerned for me at least. It's you know you just keep you wake up every day and you kind of expect things to to turn a corner and then they just don't turn a corner. So um, it's uh, yeah, I mean it's just our generation has never really had to deal with anything like this, and so it's uh, it's it's very trying times. I mean, yeah, even I, I mean, even most of my older relatives have said we've never had to deal with anything like this, uh, even though they've had to deal with other stuff, but uh, nothing like this. Um, yeah, so what, let's see, I, I, I want to see, is there anything else I know you had? I was looking at some of the articles that you wrote in, this was in 2016, but what is that, like the 10 engineering uh, philosophies? Uh-huh. Uh, let me pull that up for a second. Um, I'm sorry. I know this was a long time ago. Do you remember any of that? Um, well, you know, so my writing in 2016 was very much rooted in a resentment. I, it was a negative resentment mentality, uh, a hmm. feeling that I had, did not have the opportunities for creativity that I wanted. And I wrote this article, 10 Philosophies, for engineers and and it was popular people liked it it was also a very disgruntled post and i think my my in the in the five year in the intervening four or five years i've become a little bit more measured feeling like you know if you want to get to a point of creativity in your career you're gonna have to work really hard and you're gonna have to go through some servile uh, periods of time, most likely, because right. the only way that you learn to be a leader is through servility, um, and um, I've really felt that in my own my my own career, um, and so. But the with that said, the post I think was inspirational to some people who who had had a little too much servility and were looking for a, a piece of inspiration. Yeah, no, I, I felt that way too. And even though I've been um, disillusioned with some things, I mean, I still look back at all the things I built, uh, you know, very positively. But there's one thing that I like, I would really like to be able to detach is like how I'm feeling at work in any given month and like how, uh, you know, my, my mood in just my life. And I've been I don't know if this is just an engineer thing or if this is this is everybody or if it affects engineers more. But if if I have a really soul crushing job that month, um, it like it affects the rest of my life in a very negative way. And but there's something about coding where you just you get in in there. And if you kind of drag your feet to the office and you're like, you have to build something you don't want to build today. It's just it really is. uh, (laughs) It it, I I, I almost I can't describe it. I mean, maybe it's just. Maybe it's just the same in every profession, but I feel like we we get it in a special way. Yeah, I, I think it depends for everybody. Um, I mean, programming is such a wide spectrum of of different jobs and management structures and uh, humans and preferences that there's just a lot of different ways to navigate your career. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, um, we, you know, you've gone in a very different direction than most uh, engineers do. Um, I, I'm still holding on to that, uh, that role, but I've also gone into a very different direction. So hopefully, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, I'll bring this up again, and, and maybe I'll find some people who have done some, some creative things with their careers. I'd, I'd like to, to get more of, of that on the program. Um, what is... Um, 
tell me a little bit about what you're interviewing on your show these days. Like, what, what, uh, what's your favorite interview that you've done in, like, the last, I don't know, six months? Mm. It's hard to pick out one, but the... I would say the biggest issue right now, at least in terms of what what I've covered, is the data engineering stack and uh, machine yeah. learning tooling. Uh, basically, everybody's got tons and tons of data, and it's strewn across the organization a bunch of different places. So you want to catalog that data. You want to have all these different um, means of piping data from one place to another and aggregating it and then eventually serving it up to data scientists and data analysts in a way that allows them to do research on it and allows them, allows them to have reports um, and uh, gives the machine learning researchers a, a playground that is that is amenable to their, their research and their experiments. So uh, that area is very interesting to me because this, the scale is so tremendous, especially at a company like Netflix. Uh, the scale is tremendous and, and the pipelines that they have to build are, are works of art. Yeah, I, those pipelines can get very complicated. I mean, I, you know, one the last one I worked on, uh, I would say was like the the Foursquare attribution product, and it was just like, um, I used to have it in my head, like I'd be able to take someone in for an hour and then fill up a whiteboard, uh, like a whole big whiteboard with like lines and arrows and things, like just for my. I, I, there's no way I could do that now, but <laughs> but it was like a a whole, uh, it was like a whole roadmap of stuff, and it was. It was very like um, it was very crazy how like if a change was made, you had to make sure that the that the that the that the data went through like every step, and uh, it's 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 not a solved problem, and it's um, it, and it's um, I don't know it, it, it I find them difficult to test because there's such a long. Uh, such a long like like lag time between okay I wrote something some code that's in my pipeline uh, and now I have to okay sure I could write it uh, I could like run it over some test data which you know sometimes is a good test but sometimes isn't and um, you know but then I have to make my test data and it, it it's way more time consuming than say like a a server engineering, which is kind of what I'm doing now, where I'm like, oh, let's uh, hit hit the endpoint I just built, and uh, oh, it's it works or it doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, those works of art are fun to play around with. Yeah. All right. So I will definitely invite people to subscribe to the Software Engineering Daily podcast, um, especially all the engineers who listen to the Local Maximum here. Uh, where else can we find you? You can find me on Twitter. Um, I think that's the best place. Uh, I'm at the underscore Prion. You can find me uh, through the software underscore daily Twitter account, the software daily Twitter account. And um, you can also find me on Spotify if you like music. I, I write a lot of music, and my name on Spotify is the, the Prion, P-R-I-O-N. Oh, very cool. Like what, what type of music do you write on there? It's like electronic music, pop music. All right, I'm definitely going to check it out. I will. Uh, I'll put it on the show notes page. I actually read somewhere you you automatically generated some of that music. Is that uh, did I read that right? I think you're thinking of somebody else. I didn't automatically generate oh, okay. any of it. All right, or no, you uh, you collaborated with uh, with people across the no. Oh yeah, uh, well I collaborated with people on Fiverr. Uh, I hired. Okay, hired yeah, yeah, yeah. Musicians that's th- th- that's what I heard. Okay, yeah, yeah I I, uh, I I thought differently. Okay. Well, that's pretty cool. I mean, you know, having sort of a band 
a dis- is a distributed band or something exactly something like that maybe exactly yeah yes. that's that's pretty cool all right um yeah talk about you know remote creativity actually working in some cases maybe that's a an, an interesting an interesting case so i'll definitely check that out i will uh i'll link to all that on the show notes page for this episode jeff thanks for coming on the show thank you max All right, that's our show. I do not know what we're going to be getting to next week, but I'm hoping that Aaron is going to interview me on an obscure mathematical topic before long because it's going to be product launch season soon and political election season very soon, and the Potterverse is about to light up. So, you know, I don't know, say what you want about 2020, but I'm very happy that I have a podcast right now in 2020. All right, have a great week, everyone. That's the show. Remember to check out the website at localmaxradio.com. If you want to contact me, the host, or ask a question that I can answer on the show, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. The show is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and more. If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe to The Local Maximum on one of these platforms and to follow my Twitter account at MaxSklar. Have a great week. Feel the power.